0: april's online a podcast about figuring things out with a focus in adhd and astrology so it's been almost a month since i last recorded anything and last i recorded i was talking about leo season starting out with that bang with the moon and aries and how that was just too much fire for me to handle at the time i got burnt out right away Since then, I've recovered and, you know, I have one more week of class left. So, I mean, really the last couple weeks, I've just been buried in schoolwork and trying to stay on top of deadlines. It definitely triggers a lot of ADHD anxiety because I get hyper-focused on things in one area and then I get overwhelmed by details in other and then I completely drop the ball on something altogether. And it's happened multiple times throughout my life through like... Um, through like an academic lens, through like a career lens. and so it definitely is like a source of anxiety for me, especially understanding like how the ADHD brain works and how there is truly some executive function loss and that sort of thing. I'm still kind of like understanding all of that. And from the ADHD front, I have been doing fairly well. I don't know if I mentioned this, but essentially I switched some medication from like an instant release to more of an extended release and that's worked really well for in terms of keeping my energy more regulated and keeping my mood more regulated because for me I think the biggest thing that I suffer from from my ADHD is just within my interpersonal relationships it's something that I struggled with with my mother as well and I feel like her and I just Exhibit our symptoms pretty similarly and I don't know if it's because it's learned or if like her brain and my brain are actually fairly similar probably both but anyway she would have these like wild mood swings sometimes at least like from my perspective it, it felt like she did definitely have like a moodiness to towards her and I mean really the more I learn about my parents background the more I'm like wow I mean really they they kept their shit together pretty well. It's just unfortunate that I didn't really understand that at the time. And so that's kind of like where a lot of our trauma and attachment issues develop because we just don't really know as kids. And so our body and our brains just protect ourselves as best as they, it can. So yeah, anyway, we're fully into Virgo now, I want to say. What is today? Today is the 22nd, so I think the Sun is moving into Virgo tomorrow. Mars and Venus have already moved into Virgo, and it's just like a bit of a relief. I feel like it's very much that Virgo energy of let's get shit done, let's like not talk too much about it, let's not... Well, Virgo does have a tendency to over talk and overthink some details, at this point I'm like at this stage in my life where I feel overwhelmed by too much of a broad picture, and so for me... It's been very helpful to channel that Virgo energy productively and just saying like, hey, we're going to take these things a step at a time, you know, day by day and just chip away at it. And soon all these smaller parts will become like a huge picture. And I've been thinking a lot about what I might record next. And over the last few weeks, I've really been... Grappling a lot with this idea of trauma as a disability. So when I was listening to a Feminist Killjoy PhD podcast a few weeks ago, they interviewed a woman who is an academic. She identifies as queer and, you know, from academia and like has some alternative views on things that she's like proud to share. But the other thing that she incorporated into her identity fairly recently was identifying as a disabled person. And for her, that comes in the form of having been in a car accident and suffering from major brain trauma and just like coping with, and like recognizing her coping mechanisms. So for her, she does have to watch her energy levels, She you knows she gets like really tired and scattered at the end of the day, and she just has to monitor that. And it can be really difficult because it's sort of an invisible, I mean, it very much is an invisible disability because it's not like she's constantly wearing a bandage on her head or whatever. Even with disabilities that we think are very observable, they're really not that obvious disability happens at all different levels in all different ways across every spherical point spectrum whatever Naomi and I talked about how you know spectrum is kind of a I don't know we just like don't want to assign value judgments and so having it be more of like a spherical point seems more appropriate I guess or like morally philosophically appropriate um, but yeah, so and, and that's to say, in terms of like physical disabilities, I just learned fairly recently listening to uh, my friend interviewing an artist that so this artist, she's a comics drawer, and she's technically blind. And she was saying that like most blind people do not just not have sight. That's like a complete false assumption that somehow we've all as a society come to make. And I don't know if that's through like media or whatever, but if you actually know an actual blind person, chances are they have like some semblance of their, their vision. And I think I knew this for like deaf people too. Like deaf people, a lot of them do have some bit of their hearing. But it's, it's still obviously an impairment because they don't have, like, 20-20 vision or, like, 100% hearing. So even if you take, like, 50% of that away, that's a drastic reduction. And so it's just sad and, like, funny in a sad way that for her, she'll be out in the open and she'll have her, like, walking stick just to almost more as, like, a visual signifier of, like, hey I do have an impairment sort of thing so that people just automatically understand when she asks for help why she's asking for help but then since she does have a bit of her sight she can still do things like look at her phone and so she'll have like strangers just yell at her like where are you looking at your phone if you're blind imagine that situation I just can't Understand why someone feels so entitled to just like scream at a stranger like that, call them out like that, quote unquote, when they have no actual idea what's going on. They're making Hollywood movie assumptions. But anyway, through this Feminist Killjoy PhD podcast episode, this interviewee somehow got brought up. One of the co hosts asked about trauma, and I can't recall exactly what context, but the interviewee was essentially like, well, I actually view trauma as a disability. And I thought about that and I just was like internally nodding like, yes, because for myself as someone who's a product of like a chaotic childhood who has intergenerational trauma that's been passed down both behaviorally with how I was raised and how I was communicated to and also potentially through like genetics and DNA and the stressors that were in my parents' bodies when they conceived me and when I was in my mom's womb. I really feel that. There are times where I really beat myself up and I just kind of sit there in this depressed funk and I think man I just become very woe is me a little victimizing like self-victimizing and then I I think like of the people that don't have to deal with this self-hate getting themselves out of a rut and being able to feel just more like carefree and also holding this realization that like that's just never gonna be me I was carefree up until like I don't know four or five and that's just lost I mean it's kind of like if someone loses a finger they're not going to get that finger back in terms of invisibility or invisible disability it's the same thing if someone damages their brain there's parts of the brain that just can't regenerate the same way and with trauma it is like reading my psychology 200 book there are physiological changes that happen in a chaotic childhood and like through trauma through repeated trauma all of that it's it really does make a physiological difference there's nerve damage and your nerves are everywhere that's like the thing that delivers electricity through your body and this isn't like fucking metaphysics or like woo woo this is like literal science that has talked about Electricity and energy through our bodies. So when people are talking about like electromagnetic waves and metaphysics and yada yada, I think those are just people who like get that there's some sort of underlying current to everything, and they just haven't happened to take the biological, um, psychology, chemistry classes to to back up those feelings because those are all real. People are actually speaking to real things. Um, I don't know exactly what metaphysics is, but I know that's been a term that's been like thrown around in the spiritual world a lot and it's not spiritual, it's actual science. And yeah, I mean, you take like a basic biology, physics, chemistry class. I feel like I said this in the last episode, but literally you take like a baseline foundation of those and like, I don't know, I I feel like everyone can can revisit that. There's so many people that refuse to even like consider a value in like taking a science course or a medical course or something like that because they already have this like shitty stigma against school because school is shitty. The system can be extremely shitty and they've just like rejected it. They also reject themselves because They think like, oh, I'm not smart enough. Like, what am I doing in this class? I'm just going to feel like really intimidated. Well, you know, once you kind of like get past the ego center of things and you're just there to actually learn, it's just so refreshing. Like the older people in my classes and by older people, I mean like people my age because I'm 31 and there are some people in my class who are 19, but there are like plenty of people, especially in community colleges where they're at. Different stages of their life and going to college. And the older students always bring like such a unique flavor because they've lived in the real world and they're like, So, how does this apply to this? And then they start sparking like really interesting discussions through questions. You know, when we were in our early 20s or even like 18 or 19, there's no way in hell we would have stuck our neck out there for ourselves for our own curiosity. And now, post Saturn return, I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. I want to know how this works. Because I've seen a lot of messed up shit working eight years in the business world and like I've done a lot of self-work and I'm questioning a lot of things that I used to question, but I just stopped because I was shut down so many times. I'm not going to be like my own impediment to my passions, my knowledge, all of that. At least I don't want to be. That's the end goal. I think about trauma and I can get down... I can be like this just isn't me i can't really do this this is my limitation and you know and maybe it is and and maybe that's fine and maybe i don't have to beat myself up about it maybe i can just take it in like almost like a gemini data mining here's the data this is like what are the observable truths that i have right now and i don't have to assign an emotional value or meaning to it or or just at least like not a value. Maybe I can be sad about it, but then deflate the value because whatever, whatever I can't be like carefree and like go skydiving because my anxiety adrenaline levels can be triggered like massively by the smallest things. So like whatever. And then those things are also, it's all kind of plastic. I mean, maybe I won't feel the same way once I revisit those thoughts, I don't know two years down the line maybe I'll go skydiving in five years who knows it's not appealing at all to me right now I've been thinking a lot about that I've also been thinking about anger a lot because my temper has just constantly been a source of of suffering and I go back and forth I'm like but anger is how I survive and anger is adrenaline it's literally adrenaline it helped me get through a lot it helped me Externalized externalize things to the point where my environment did change and sometimes for the better sometimes for the worst so I go back and forth on this but last weekend was definitely like a wake-up call just like a lot of emotions accumulated to a head and blew up in my face and yeah I don't know it was it was a definite wake-up call where I was like, hmm, maybe I need to revisit this. Maybe I've gotten arrogant about how much self-work and evolution that I've done, at least, like, in the sense of, like, comparing it to other people, because that's not the point of self-work. It's not, the point is not to feel high and mighty about how much self-work you've done, but you can feel proud, obviously, like, I don't know. Be proud of yourself. Fuck yeah, you care about yourself enough to always be working at yourself. But yeah, I, I I was thinking of that, and with like, just everything. Like right now, I'm taking a social media break. I'm attending weekly meetings right now for the book The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, and I don't know if any of you have heard of it. It's a book that's been around for two decades at least. So she has a a chapter and of course this book is written over 20 years ago and so her chapter is talking about media deprivation and she talks about like reading deprivation because that was really the only form of media they could consume back then is like newspapers and things like that well now we have a computer in our pocket that we can google anything and look up instagram and go on facebook i'm doing like a week of deprivation from that and it's just needed because with the mass shootings (laughs) that are so fucking normalized now to a sickening point and the protest in portland there was a expected clash between proud boys and antifa that never happened but media outlets are trying to make it a thing anyway like what the fuck dude i could just do it with a lot of not media at this point it's just like so much garbage it's so much content that you don't need to junk up your mental systems with all this internet shouting and angst and everything it really got me thinking so one of my friends posted a meme that was really funny and i like it but it was pretty much seven year old me all i want is peace and love and happiness in the world and then it says 20 year old me give me 400 nazi scalps and it has like brad pitt from inglorious bastards and that's so true it's very very true like fuck nazis and fuck fascism and also what about that seven-year-old like i've been thinking about that seven-year-old a lot so that meme cropping up was actually really coincidental in timing because i thought about it after my wake-up call after i felt like extremely indignant and justified in going into flamethrower mode over this last weekend and then coming down from that just realizing like holy shit i am really unhappy with how all of that went down turning introspective again because i go through waves where i'm introspective and then waves where i externalize everything and blame everyone and everything around me i was just thinking what was all that self-work and what i realized was I've been taking that angsty adolescent, like starting when I was 9 to 11 years old. 11 was when I really started feeling massive onsets of depression and just like unhappiness with how i perceive the world and how i perceive life and its fairness and i've been angsty since through my 20s i think i've taken that like 10 to 25 year old to therapy quite a lot but have i really heard out that seven year old and younger in me i don't know if i have what is it about that i mean is it the same reason why in response to my childhood environment i actually ended up bullying my brother who's four years younger than me? And is it because of that why I just have this like viscerally negative reaction to our rescue dog who will just like, she can't help it. She's a dog. She'll shake when she's anxious and she'll get anxious at random times that don't logically make sense. And there's something about it that just triggers me. I know that word is like overused, but it really does trigger me to see her shake and to see her look pathetically at me or look pathetically at my husband. It's just like there's something there that I need to investigate and be interested in because it does have something very much tied to myself. I don't know if it's because she's outwardly reflecting the anxiety I constantly feel within and I I don't like that and I don't want to like be roped into that or if it's I resent that she's unable to hide her anxiety. Because when I think about it, the earliest memory I have is me about three or four years old. From that time up until age seven, anytime I would get upset, it was just all out there because kids can't hide their emotions, especially at that young. I would cry and I would ask for help and I would show that I was scared. I don't know, maybe I was like rebuked for it because there's something that I reject in myself from that time period. Something developed that Eventually, whenever I was in a position where I felt scared or upset, I knew that I would maybe be made fun of by other people for being too sensitive if I just showed my sensitivity on my sleeve, or I would be told to like suck it up if I was actually showing that I was scared. So there's something I had to reject in myself as a survival mechanism, and the way I handled that was essentially to be like a bully in a way. Turn on that hard shell, I don't have feelings, I don't have fear. Nothing's great, but nothing's bad either, and you can't phase me, and if you push me too much, I will fucking annihilate you. That is a persona that I developed from age, I want to say nine to 10 is when it first started creeping in and then for sure like through middle school super hardcore so yeah that's what I've been thinking about just like this balance between that seven-year-old and that 20-year-old the 20-year-old who wants to be proactive and do shit with that and the seven-year-old who just like wants comfort and it's appropriate from an astrological standpoint it can also be tied in so you hear about Woo woo, spiritual people talk about eclipse season, and every eclipse season comes with themes that are being explored. This eclipse season, we've been exploring themes between Cancer and Capricorn, and Cancer is in the north node, which is just to say that it is the sign that the moon crosses on the north side of the ecliptic. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but there's a north node and a south node, and the north node is what we're supposed to move towards to evolve, and the south node is energy that we need to resolve and so having this juxtaposition between cancer and capricorn is really appropriate because capricorn is kind of that iron fist that like get shit done get put your head down do the right thing yada yada and that's like a higher expression of capricorn when you're talking astrologically about the north and south nodes you're actually making some value judgments there it's the only place in astrology where you are trying to make some value judgments and it's only because your goal is to grow is to evolve it's not to like smite anyone it's to just recognize an unhealthy pattern resolve it so for Capricorn an unhealthy pattern is ladder climbing for the sake of ladder climbing being just ruthless and almost dictating that's the lowest expression of Capricorn so you want to move into the higher expression which is building proper structure respecting rules that have stood the test of time for a good reason and really making that authentic value judgment And then also doing the right thing, just getting the work done, even though it's hard and all that, but it's right. So that's the higher expressions of Capricorn that we're supposed to move towards that will ultimately help us get to this place where we can also express the highest uh, expressions of Cancer, which is like the opposite sign of Capricorn. And they do have a lot of similarities. This is very heteronormative, but... Past astrologers have talked about Cancer and Capricorn being the ultimate mother-father archetype because Cancer is like ultra-nurturing and Capricorn is ultra-structured and grounded and like iron fist. And so you think of the highest expressions of Cancer, Cancer is just nurturing, empathetic, really knows how to hold space for emotions, whatever emotions they may be, and will we'll go on that journey with you because a lot of times when we are experiencing emotions and we do feel like we need to release them so sometimes we just need that ally to just go on the ride with us a little bit and not to like overly indulge or enable but to really hold that space and know how to be emotionally present and also to really access both Cancer and Capricorn have that kind of like tied to the past Capricorn's very much like what rules and regulations have stood the test of time what structures and cancer is like remember your ancestors and remember memories like all those memories that have like washed into this crazy ocean of life bring them back bring the ones that are critical for you to reflect on and help you grow into that next stage so i mean we're seeing this dynamic play out in real life right protests and fascism and dictating those are all potentially negative expressions of that south node in capricorn while as we have people who are looking towards like energy healing and ancestral guidance and things like that and and holding more space and building community and resolving things through nurturing and love and understanding that all hurt comes from a hurt place and what can we do to bring those memories back in and like process them together that's like the highest expression of cancer i've been thinking about this a lot internally i don't know if any of the rest of you have been thinking about it the other thing that this weekend really brought out was this idea of abandonment issues so with jessica Lignato she has a book coming out and she is going to be writing about the outer planets and intimacy issues so for her she's like a whole like outer planet freak and that's you know Jupiter Saturn Uranus Neptune and Pluto and all of them have their flavor of what might cause an intimacy issue and for Pluto that's like the one for whatever reason I feel just like a lot of plutonic energy or plutonian energy I guess. But Pluto, for Jessica Laniato, she said that that is our abandonment issues, and that's like the biggest issue to grapple with. All of us have abandonment issues to some extent or another, and it can be triggered by something as simple as your mom forgetting to pick you up after a swim lesson. Like literally, it could be a one-off, and it could be as simple as that. It could be something that in your adult brain you're like, oh, of course, Of course, a parent could accidentally mix up their schedule or lose track of time or whatever, but your child brain doesn't know that. It's trying to figure out how to categorize it, and it doesn't necessarily categorize it well in the way that it'll serve you in the long term. And so I've been thinking a lot about abandonment issues. I've been thinking a lot about Uranus because Uranus is my chart ruler, me being Aquarius rising. And so I have sort of this awareness about uranus that i don't seem to have with other planets which is kind of ironic to me for me i would think that because i have cancer moon i would be a lot more intuitive about where the moon is every couple days and i think i am to a certain extent maybe in just like a emotional heart sense like I for sure am super moody. And so I think in that sense I'm very aware of where the moon is all the time because it really does dictate my emotions and it does dictate a lot of people's emotions. Just we have different ways of expressing, repressing or coping with them. But with Uranus from a very brain level, I I can sense it. And Uranus is going through Taurus right now, which for me is pretty critical. Like all my early Taurus listeners and friends this is if you feel like you're going through something you definitely are because uranus is going over your sun sign right now and uranus conjunct the sun is a once in a lifetime thing uranus is going through taurus right now it just went retrograde and there is some uranus retrograde shit going on another thing before i stopped media consumption was this whole panic about the inverted yield curve on the bond rate. Yeah, apparently that's supposed to signal another recession. And for me, I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, that's gonna suck. But also, what the fuck is a recession? I went to school to study money. I'm still a CPA technically. And it frankly makes so little sense to me the value of money the value of things is so subjective and so my solution to that is turning inwards because we can panic about the stock market or whatever but also like how many of us are actually invested in the stock market why is that our overall indicator why do we care and is it only us caring that actually makes that value affect us and so to like not just be externalizing our panic, I think what we could do is, is really align our own values, like our moral values, our personal values, and that will help keep us grounded about the sense of money. When I think about the stock market, I've been reading articles, it talks about Macy's stock, it talks about Walmart stock, it's like I don't shop at these places. I sometimes go to Walmart just because there's a neighborhood market literally a couple blocks away from me, but I don't like it. I don't I don't want to go there. I don't like Walmart. I don't like what they stand for. And so I am neither going to be a consumer there that's buying a ton of product off their shelves nor am I going to invest in their stock just because other people are taking a gamble on Walmart and that's what Wall Street is. Like honestly, we've been we've We talk about our economy as if it's a family member that we're worried about that their gambling addiction has finally caught up to them once again. So what the fuck? That should not be how we talk about money. To me, I don't care if other people are buying Walmart stock and inflating its quote-unquote value. I'm not going to buy Walmart stock. I don't believe in them. I think they're evil. I think a lot of major corporations, especially ones that have ticker symbols, are evil. So, and like not intentionally evil, they just are. It's like cancer. It's like it, it there's like an overgrowth that is uncontrollable. That is literally cancer. That's what cancer is. It's just, cell division that has gotten completely out of control and that's what major corporations are they just grow and grow and grow and no one is actually at the head of things no one actually understands like the head from the feet the head from the tail whatever all's that to say is Uranus going through Taurus I'm definitely feeling it both at a global level and individual level because it's crossing over my sun and my sun actually aspects Pluto so going back to Pluto not only am I getting a shake up in terms of my, my sense of self, my, my identity, my energy, my life force, I'm also getting this opposition trigger to my abandonment issues. That makes me think, you know, what about my Scorpio counterparts? Because my Pluto is in Scorpio and so is everyone in my millennial generation. So I wonder if all of you are feeling it. Like, I wonder if any of you have Pluto and Scorpio, especially in the earlier part, like that, you know, zero to, I don't know, 12 degrees. Are you feeling it? Are you feeling just gunk come up? Like this, ugh, like, oh yeah, that thing does make me secretly fear, like under all this anger is this fear that the other shoe will drop. That, like, I need to watch out for myself, that someone has it out for me, that I need to abandon this thing or this person before they abandon me. And that was my major wake-up call this last weekend. I realized that my demons go deeper than I think, and my fears go deeper than I think, and I've gotten really good at hiding them, but that does not mean at all that I've resolved them and really processed them, so those are just my thoughts. I know that's kind of heavy. The, the title of this episode, I'm sure will indicate how heavy this topic is. And I hope it's given you some food for thought, not in like a negative way. I really, really hope that it just like makes you interested in your, in your seven-year-old self. And maybe you've done a lot of therapy and self-work like I have, and maybe you can explore a different avenue. Maybe you've taken that angsty 15-year-old to therapy quite a lot, but what about that six-year-old? What have you heard out from your six-year-old self? How can you protect that six-year-old self and listen to that six-year-old self in a new way? Because 15-year-old you did listen to six-year-old you, and 15-year-old you is kind of like that like mean but protective older sibling where they're like, you know what? Yeah, fuck all of you this is how I'm going to like take care of this shit myself. I'm going to be really self-defensive. I'm going to lash out anytime I feel threatened and you'll be too scared to fuck with me. Like that's definitely how I was. I don't know. It's like talking to the army or the soldier before you ever really talk to the princess or prince or, you know, young royalty that they're protecting. I mean, ultimately you have to sign a peace treaty with what that soldier is all about. Why is that soldier fighting? Why is that soldier being so defensive? What are they protecting? And can you come to a more peaceful, productive resolution with the fears they're protecting, with insecurities, with that vulnerable, mushy self, I guess? Yeah, I don't know. Where anger is, maybe also see where the shame and embarrassment are. Because I think we are taught and treated to feel like vulnerability is shameful and it's embarrassing, but vulnerability is everything. It's, it's really the map to thriving. Like where we feel vulnerable is where we can truly address things in a compassionate and collaborative way to come up with, like, awesome creative solutions that will benefit everyone. Literally everyone. To, like, bring my Christian upbringing into this conversation, which is just so weird. I mean, for me, I could not ever understand the, like, if someone strikes you, turn your other cheek. I'm just like, fuck that. No way. That doesn't work. They're just gonna strike me again, and I'm not gonna deal with that shit. Well, there's, like, another thing I remember about Jesus saying, like, whatever you do to the least of my people, that's how you're treating me. And so making the world where the most vulnerable of us can thrive, that is as close to like high spirituality and godliness as we're gonna get. I mean, it's a reason why the symbolism is so strong and these stories have like permeated and really instilled a really big message in all of us. Religion and it's shit aside, there's something that's supposed to be taught in these spiritual scriptures And I only know the Bible just because I was raised Christian, so I'm sure. But everything I've heard from other spiritual practices and writings, they all echo a similar thing. So just like treat your vulnerable self well. When you see vulnerabilities in others and sometimes it's easy for it to warm your heart and and make it mushy and other times you tense up and act very viscerally negative towards it. Just be interested in that and know that that's actually telling you something about yourself. And don't assign a value to it. It's neither bad or good. That's why therapists are like, how does that make you feel? And it's neither bad or good. It just is. I mean, that's like basic meditation practice too. Yeah. Anyway, take care guys. You enjoyed that episode? If so, please do subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be listening on. I'm not really good at this whole internet social media game, but I do know that the robot overlords are monitoring traffic and subscription rates and all of that so if you were to subscribe it'll bump up my chances of getting on more widely distributed platforms like apple podcasts and google podcasts so if you subscribe i would greatly appreciate that and thank you and i will see you next time